Thank you. Thank you? I saved your life and that's all I get? Thank you? Well, I don't think they were actually going to kill me. You would have wished they had. I'm Judas. I'm Joshua. I know. I've seen you. You don't have many friends. That's okay, I'll be your friend. You talk to yourself. This is my son in whom I take much delight. I've heard you. You can talk to me now. That wasn't me. Nobody here but us chickens. Must have been somebody. What are you staring at? You. Does it bother you? No. I can stare back. First one who looks away has to buy a six-pack, okay? Okay. I always win this game. So do I. Are we playing? We're playing. Who'd you come with? No one. How come? I don't like girls. What about you? What do you mean, what about me? You like girls? Yes, I, I like girls. Just asking, Joshua. I, I like boys, too. I, I, I like people. You're lucky. I don't. Don't what? Like people. You ever play the other side of Heartbreak Hotel? Joshua shakes his head. You never turned it over? Joshua shakes his head. That's the difference between us. Curiosity. I'm curious. So who's your favorite movie star? Marilyn Monroe. She can't act. I don't care. I like her. She's pretty. What about James Dean? He can't act either. I'd like to do it with him, though. I beg your pardon? I'd like to do it with him, though. <laughs> you looked away. I win. <laughs> What's my prize? You said a six-pack. I got a better idea. He kisses Joshua on the lips. The theater, the theater. Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. The plane's the thing. Wow. Hello. I've never been good at scatting. Was that scatting? I don't know. So talented. Guys, I need your opinion on something real quick. I sent Gosh. you this on Instagram, but we need to talk about it officially. Yes. I sent you a small little clip it snippet uh -huh. of the Roger Bart starring Back to the Future, the musical. <sighs> talk to me about this. <laughs> Question we, one, do we need this musical? Question two, why? <laughs> We don't I, like I this is what I don't get. I, I get the repurposing some things and we're about to get into a conversation about, you know, the adaptation of a novel into a musical. Um, but I just it, we were talking about it off 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 mic. We we're talking about it off mic. Sounds, in sound, real life. In real life. I-R-L. <laughs> and like just I'm tired of the musical. I'm tired of that <laughs> being in the title of, of things. And look, it could be awesome. It, it may be Back to the Future the Musical will be awesome. I'm wondering if they will, what 
I wonder about is that music was such a huge part of that movie. Uh-huh. That you have all the Huey mm. Lewis stuff. You have all the old 50s stuff. Yeah. Even, like the soundtrack to that movie, because I was alive. And then when all that those old out. Western tunes. And all, right. the, all the TV theme songs and all that stuff. I, I wonder. I'm 80% sure it's Jukebox and it uses the songs from the movie because oh. there is a really? orchestrator. There's an okay. orchestrator and a musical supervisor slash vocal arranger. Mm. Oh, okay. There is a Alan Silvestri. It says music and lyrics, but Alan Silvestri is the one you bring in to write like a couple of songs. I feel like I've right. seen that name all over the damn place too. Oh yeah. Well, he's a big. He does. He does scores. He's he's a Zemeckis guy. He did. Um, most recently, he did Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. I feel like he did, like maybe like fucking a bunch of like Nancy Myers movies and stuff. Like that's kind of how he got his start maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he's done like all of Zemeckis' movies. He did Death Becomes Her, Who Frames Roger Rabbit. He's kind of. Okay. I think he did Forrest Gump. I think so. Okay. Listen, um, don't get me lost. Yeah. I, I, I love should a good look him up before I say all But for yeah. like film and television, I think a little bit more than theater. Right. But also, I mean, okay. I'm going to be devil's advocate in that saying same thing about the Les Mis movie musical. Like maybe this will bring some people to theater and then sure. they'll try some other shit out afterwards. But like, no, I, I, Bailey, you sent this both to Scott and I, and I, I said like, do we need this right now? And I mean, I like back to the future, but I was also never a huge fan of it. Yeah. We'll have a lot. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about this kind of, you know, Broadway uh, money grabbing kind of shit that also has its good side, like CJ just pointed out um, as we get into more of ragtime. So that leads me into welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds. I usually say people, but I think it's for theater nerds. Yes. That's what the comments on uh on the iTunes pod, the, the commentary Which, is like, come on, guys, theater nerds. Like, there, there's there are people, multiple <laughs> yeah. like people that love the idea. Maybe we should, maybe we should promote it more that way. It's for yeah, theater okay. nerds. Okay. Well, I'm gonna change it then. For the first time ever, welcome to Theater <gasps> Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater nerds. Did, did, we, <laughs> did we just rebrand? That's why. Did we just rebrand? That's I kind why. Of, no, I like it. I think it's funny to repeat. It's a it's bad a writing choice. No, it's a playwright choice because that sticks <laughs> out on purpose. Here we go. We're like Edward Albee. Okay. To theater Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. I glitched out. Here we go. Okay. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater nerds from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And I'm Poop Magoop. And each week, we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this week... We finish our mini-series covering the works of the late Terrence McNally. That's right. It's Pod Together, Cast Apart, Part 2. Cast Apart 2. Yeah. Welcome. Cast Apart 2. In this uh, episode, what what are we going to be doing? What what two plays are we going to be talking about, Scott? Uh, we're going to finish our conversation of Ragtime, yep. which we you know t- just dipped our toe into in Part mm-hmm. 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to get into... Uh, 
Corpus Christi, which um, is by far is his most controversial play. Absolutely. Um, Funny. And, yeah. And, uh, about and now, talk yeah. about, uh, you know, and then we'll do a summation and talk about uh, all of his work. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is like we're looking at these three plays, but he's got a massive body of work. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, like, Film, TV, like on a Neil Simon level, like people have called him the American bard, like the bard yeah. of American theater because of just his amount. And, yeah. Huh. And we'll have to. It, it's interesting. I have. I have a very clear uh, opinion of him based on these three works. Sure. Without, you know, so which is very different than when I look at his whole body of work. Because all of his stuff in the 60s, he starts writing in the early to mid 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, I didn't have him in my head until maybe the late 70s, early 80s. But no, sure. he's, he's, and, you know, his earlier stuff, he was, uh, you know, partnered uh, in a relationship with Edward Albee. Right. And that clearly influenced uh, some of that early stuff. Boy, who was. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it was, that just feels like so much like Felix and Oscar to me. <laughs> Ooh, right, right. <laughs> but in a good way. I think that's an opposite to track kind of way. I like oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, um, I. McNally being the Felix. Because... I feel like. Well, I just. His, <laughs> yeah. Like the. Clean I, and Edward, I has Edward Albee written musicals? Uh, he uh. wrote the book to a uh, no. Never mind. He didn't. No. <laughs> well, he I brought mean, up last time the Lolita musical. He didn't write the book to that. But then, but then saying that, I was like, maybe I want to see an Edward Albee musical. <laughs> the goat, the musical. Can the we goat? call it that? The, uh, oh man, I can't wait till we get to him because I saw that my senior year in college, and it was. Fucking insane. It got canceled the night of opening <gasps> my junior year of college. I'll uh, I'll tell that story as well because my huge drama. Go my ahead. decades beloved Shakespeare teacher, Bruce Longworth. I will talk about him again many times. He was in it. So it was always cool to see <laughs> one of our teachers in a show. Anyway. Yeah, that's rad. Um, okay. We should get into our discussion. <laughs> finishing up. Ragtime, because last time we got into it a little bit, we gave uh, sort of our feelings, uh, our broad feelings on it. But I think it's worth getting back into talking about a little bit. And I also teased last time that I have a really hot take on this. And now that I've had a week to like think about it, it's not that hot of a take as much as it's me being a dick. But we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> explore that. So, um, ragtime. Let's yeah. go. Living in a, in a movie. It's, it's funny. Um, I, I got into a conversation with uh, two friends of ours who shall remain nameless for right now. Okay. Uh, and, and who got, who I, when I kind of threw out my general, I generally do, didn't care for it. Uh, I, I, for me, I don't even, there's not even a song in here for me. There's the opening number, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's a great song. And, and these two dudes, they were cisgender, white, straight people no no one was not white i'm sorry one was latinx they were like well what about so and so what about such and such and i was like what do you i was like wow you know and uh they were fans and i just didn't get it now i i haven't seen it i haven't seen it live i watched a video of the broadway show right um and there was certainly some great performances in there uh, to be admired Audrey there was McDonald. some there was some staging in there that was to be admired, but Frank Galati directed it, uh, who was most famous uh, for bringing the Grapes of Wrath 
to Broadway with that fantastic production uh, with Gary Sinise, I believe, mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And he had he did not have a choreographer for the show. He had a musical stager for the show. All right. And and you can see that there is no slash real... movement director. Right. Uh, and uh Anyway, I'm I'm digressing. I'm all over the place, but it was interesting. Just to, there are people that that really do like it, um, and we'll get more into why I I don't and and what was going on on Broadway at the time, right? And the Tonys, which I've found to be a really fascinating dichotomy, and it's a really interesting commentary on Broadway as a whole. Is sort of I think that. Listen, I love my Broadway. We all love our Broadway and and great spectacle is great spectacle. But I think it has been to the detriment of theater in America as a whole. That too many people think of Broadway as American theater and real theater is going on in much smaller places all across the country. And you're not seeing it because 12, 12 to 20 million dollars was dropped on this production mm-hmm. so that they could put a model T on stage. And it was, it, it seemed, it, it just felt like spectacle for the sake of spectacle. Mm. I'll shut up and, and, and let you guys con- comment, especially CJ. I want to hear what your thoughts were. I will say uh, just a little interjection that popped in my head. This was 1996 on Broadway. I 90, think they, 97 is, 90, is sort of when it was running. 98 is the Tonys. You know, yeah, this is like it's like six or seven years after after Rodney King, and just a couple years after O.J. Simpson. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought like it was they were attempting to put something up, like using that story to put that out there. I just don't. I have a big problem with the ending. Um, I love the I love the opening number as like a musical theater person. I get the love of the group numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. I mean, I was, I was that too, dumb to say. Not at all. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing because in a lot of ways, especially when you look at the awards it won and the way that it's been sort of upheld in musical theater, it should theoretically be like the American theater Les Mis, Hmm. right? The size of it, the grandeur, the the fact that it's following a lot of stories and it's, you know, and it's really trying to show you all these little tiny things and it's historical, but also not. And like, you know, and it kind of checks all the boxes to be a Les Mis-esque thing. And I think for some people it might be. Mm-hmm. I think for some people um, who really love the show, I know especially people who have been involved in the show really go to bat for it. And they're like, you obviously don't get it. It's actually sort of how I treat South Pacific, where people are like, oh, South Pacific. And I'm like, well, OK, let's look at <laughs> when that was written and what it's like about and how amazing that is. And people are like, yeah, but it still has problems. And I'm like, yes, but you're a theater. You can change things. You can do whatever you can represent it differently. You can, you know, like that's your job doesn't matter. Um, so maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a, there's a version of this show. Maybe the Playhouse version was this. You know, I don't know. That like really Oh man, works. I wish I'd seen it. it I know. Sold, that's, that's It was sold the hell out, I oh, think yeah. I remember. Yeah. Fully yeah. sold out. Like from top to bottom, there's no way to get in there. And it won all the awards and it did all the things and the Times loved it. And, you know, um, I, I had plenty of friends in it. Um, and it was it was just one of those like, and I still couldn't get tickets, you know. And um, it 
it's one of those shows though that I think lives in a lot of people's hearts, but for us who are here for the libretto only, like we love musicals, but like we're talking about the playwright, we're talking about the librettist. Mm -hmm. So we're reading a play, which is how we all did it first, right? Like I didn't mm -hmm. watch it first, I read it first. This is my first real exposure to it. And when you're looking at those lines and you're not getting a directorial vision of it, it's not, it's not very good and there's only a few profound moments that really work and there's a ton of digressions there's like 5,000 digressions and most of them don't work uh the fucking there's one that I wrote down that I just remember being like what is happening right now uh much like our podcast there are so many digressions <laughs> um, oh the baseball stuff kind of works right they they need I I think they were like you know what the audience needs a breather. Right. Like, and the moment honestly, between the father like and son. That song felt like. Right. That song's cute. And 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 the father and son um get their bonding moment, but that it doesn't fully work. But then like the Atlantic City stuff, like cut it. <laughs> cut it all out. Why is it there? It doesn't work for me. Well, I was I wrote down why are Evelyn Nesbitt, Emma Goldman, and Harry Houdini there? Like Because they're in the book. That's like the biggest failing of this whole musical is that they went, well, let's try to represent the book exactly because this is a representation of the turn of the 20th century America. Okay, so my next question is how long is the book? How many pages? It's like 700 pages. It's a it's dense that's fucking the, okay. book. Okay, there it's, we go. Got it. That answered my question. Yeah. This needed to be a three-part musical. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess. That, 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 that's absolutely true. Or miniseries. Like, I, I, cause, uh, as, as you both know, I am uh, reading the Dune series. Sure. It broke me, Earth, but I love life. Dune. And I have I'm, a tattoo. I'm, I'm such a poser. I'm about to start. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a poser you're a badass um no. i i am about to start the the um uh the third book but anyway but i was reading dune and Respect. i'm following i'm very very uh excited about the uh dennis villeneuve uh film version coming out at the end of this year but it's a massive book and it's been tried before david lynch tried it and, and then they tried it for like the sci-fi channel and the early 2000s and, and tried to do it as a series. And it's just a huge book with so many characters and so much going on. And for the film, apparently, this is the rumor that's out there, the the the, the film only covers about the, the first half plus a little bit of the Good. book. Good. Because you just can't do it. And it's it's a 850-page book, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's enormous. Huge. And so I remember at some point, when I was very young, like 12, trying to read my grandma had, <laughs> had you know, ragtime the book and trying to read ragtime the book. And it is, it's too much. And one of the things that kept going through my head, because my first read through was me reading it and then playing the, the cast recording as sure. I went and kind of right. absorbing stuff. That's a good way to do it. It, it, it was. And I, 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 I got through it. it. I got it through it quickly, but I was really focused obviously on, on Terrence McNally and, and, yeah. and, the, and the libretto and man, I was like, well, buddy, you got it all in there, but that seems to be the end of the accomplishment mm -hmm. is that, yeah, you got it all in there, but I don't feel like I know anybody. I feel like, um, Audra McDonald's character was uh, Sarah. Sarah. I Sarah. think Sarah is. I think I read a review where they described it as a sketch of a character, 
It's not even a fully developed character. She's not given anything. It's just Audra McDonald center stage holding a baby. No, and she's also fulfilling a really annoying musical theater trope of the random black girl who comes on stage and sings a soul song. Exactly. Mm. exactly. And now she ends up reverberating throughout the whole show, obviously. She's the inciting incident of a lot of things, but it's, it's... I mean, we get to see her one more time and it's kind of weird and doesn't fully work on page. Maybe it works when Audra McDonald's bringing the gravitas of, of giants, you know? Right. Because mm-hmm. um, she's amazing and you have to yeah. bring her back. If that was all she did and then die, sing one song and die, it'd be like, what is... What right, is right. Yeah. But then the same thing kind of happens with Brian Stokes Mitchell and Cole House. I feel like at the end of the day, he... It was a little reductive in that he becomes sort of a saintly martyr, whether rather than a man of action who is laying the foundation for activism. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's obviously sacrificed in that the ending is horrible. You, yeah, I would have cut the epilogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where everybody is. And then there's I, well, and I personally it's the call back to the beginning, but it's annoying. I yeah, well, I just end it. I mean, to me, it's more po- if you end on his murder. Yeah. Like, and I um, boy, yeah, that ending bugged me. I also personally, it's just me, and I know other people don't feel this way. I don't, and I watch the North Carolinian uh, regional theater version of this. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if this is how it's always staged, obviously, but in the end, during the epilogue, it's like, and they were reunited in yeah. heaven. And yeah. I don't, I that personally. The Blood makes, Brothers ending. Yeah, no, I don't. It makes I'm me crazy. But, yeah. you know, I. That production wasn't horrible. I it, it really did have its moments, especially staging wise, where I was like, oh, they're doing some interesting things, but they were probably pulling it from the Broadway. I don't know. Um, I'm uh, I'm talking out of my ass. I, I, should, I shouldn't say anything <laughs> things about that, about regional theaters. But. Um. Yeah. There's there's a couple things in this that really trip me up. I mean, Houdini is. It's like, why are you here? Um. But it is kind of cool also to see like the Booker T. Washington opinion on some things, right? Sure, sure, sure. And there's there's some interesting things there. Um. Specifically, I mean, we should talk about you know Cole House. Um. Is great character, but the way it's written, when I'm reading it the whole time, I'm thinking like he's. He's doing acts of terrorism. This isn't like Malcolm X style activism. This is like Mm. he's like burning down firehouses and things and sort of being like, fix my car and give me the chief of police or whatever, the commissioner or whatever he is, uh, uh, Willie Conklin. Yeah, the fire uh, chief or something. Yeah, the fire chief. Like, yeah, give yeah. me those people, which He's it's horrible. not really his. He is horrible, but like, it's not really his fault that Sarah's dead. I mean, yeah. It, his point, I guess, is that it's a bigger issue, you know, and he's going to the top or whatever. But it. She also uh, never would have gotten shot if she didn't go to that protest with him that he was going to because of what happened to his car. Like, right. yeah. And I found that there was an equating to me, an objectification of her mm-hmm. that equated yeah. to the car. That the car, you know, the car is meant to be a symbol because it was a symbol that was the reason that they put it on stage and felt it was important to put it on stage. Um, but it, it becomes the, he, it does, they don't ever t- detach those two things. You never get any moment between them that 
gives them any, either of them any true agency or a true feeling of love. It's it's these things that like bugs me about like Braveheart or Gladiator. I have 30 seconds of, I love of I know you do and I like it too. <laughs> and, and it's much better than Braveheart. But what we're given yeah, fuck is Braveheart. Fuck Braveheart. <laughs> we're given roughly 2 to 3 minutes of screen time where we see this relationship mm-hmm. so that the death really just becomes this god I hope I hope people out there have loved have been in love so they can identify it just it's like in the greatest showman when they show us like one montage and then and then they and then they're married and they're you know and we're like oh we're supposed to be in love with this couple but then we never see her again except for one more song later where she's like i'm sad that my best friend is gone (laughs) and you're just like i want to do like a live watching of all of us we probably should we're just ripping it to shreds and pam being like no it's good because no, um, I'll sing along with some of those songs. That's it's tr- no, totally the songs are great. It's just the manipulates rest of it. the ever loving fucking shit like a horrible ex boyfriend. Right. Um, we talked about Houdini, um, and I wanted to bring up something something about that. There's the little boy who is clairvoyant. Yes, right? which is right out okay. of the book. Yep. Right out of the book. Okay. Uh, he keeps warning Houdini about the Archduke Ferdinand's Duke. assassination. <laughs> right. Because right. it's around that time. So he's saying, beware the Duke. Something's going to happen to the Duke. And you're kind of like, what's going on? And he's talking, Duke. And he's talking <laughs> about the Archduke Ferdinand being mm-hmm. assassinated. Yeah. So it's like, why are we bringing this in? But I get it. Like, if you scope out, and this is sort of my, like, good, my good take on this. And then I have my hot take on this. But my good take on this is that it's like, in a bad way, it, it is sort of being like, and this is what all the white people were dealing with, what all the immigrants were dealing with, and what all of the black people were dealing with. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, no. But but it is doing a kind of okay, Les Mis-esque thing where it's taking a really big macro look, like we do on this podcast, um, of Are we the ragtime of, of podcasts? We are the ragtime of podcasts. But it, it's, it takes a look at that, that time of the turn of the century of of the 20th century coming into be it's a weird time it's a changing time a lot was going on and that side of it is interesting but then i'm sort of like if you're gonna do that though take away all of the other plot like i almost want to follow this clairvoyant boy or something like go do that <laughs> it, it is you know and I, again i think we get back it should to be a netflix series it really yeah. should. Like, honestly, uh, one of the things I read suggested that somebody like Netflix or, or, or you know, HBO should do this as a miniseries, like as an eight part, eight hour yeah. thing. Because then Make you it dig into extra it. Make credit. You know, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you have Henry Ford and basically like all. Did. They didn't, but I, I feel like they did. They, like, yeah, they, they haven't. You know, yeah. like they did a Les Mis like, version of that. Actually, that Somebody good. could do a really a magnificent version of it yeah honestly but yeah there's a lot loaded in here like we we talk about henry ford and uh, you know you can't i we celebrate him because of ford motor company and the ford motor company still exists and blah 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 blah, blah. but but he was an anti-semite he was a racist he was nazi supporting and, and nazi hitler supporter. idolized him and, 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 and yeah. hitler uh, like they they knew each other so uh that Which, we don't talk about any of that. It made it hard to watch the movie Ford Ferrari because Henry Ford's son, I believe, or grandson one, is the is the guy who's like running all of the 
Ford race stuff, and it's played by yeah. Tracy Letts very well. Yeah, and wow. you really like him, but you can't help but think like you're probably just as bad. I uh, I should say, you know, we uh, I earlier I was talking about Cole House, and I should say. That then there's the, you know, I was talking about the sort of terror, acts of terrorism that he basically does. But he does sort of, he sings that song, Make Them Hear You, which is mm -hmm. the song I really love from this show. And I've heard it done by many people and butchered, but I still always kind of like it. I'm like, I don't care. This is a good song. Um, but he's sort of condemning the way that he acted in that song mm -hmm. in a way, but while also being like, but like fucking make them hear you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I... I like that song a lot. I think that one really works. Um, the moment that this whole musical actually really stops working for me when we're getting into the micro stuff, the like plot of people, is when mother, the white mother, we realize that this white woman has saved this black woman with her white privilege powers. It's right. there's a lot of white stuff. That's like the stuff. first right, and I mean, and and I have heard people say like defend that and be like, no, by the end of it, it's not that. That's not the point. And I'm like, but the problem is, is that right away, this woman has all of this power where she's like, she comes in and she says, no, please, please don't uh, arrest this black woman. I'll take responsibility. And they're all sort of like, oh okay. When like right before <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. yeah. And she's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of it. It's fine. I'm white. And they're like, oh, cool. Great. Go Have a nice day. Which maybe that's what they're pointing at. And that's okay. But I just, I just wonder, like, if we're going to keep doing this musical and the fact that it was written in the 90s, like we always say, it was a different time. And it's like, was it? It shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. I was raised in the, the 90s. And I was not right. taught these things. So it's it's an interesting thing. I understand musicals that are pointing at something. This musical just never feels like it gets to the point. That's 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 a great analysis. And I, I especially feel like the second act gets lost. It, we go, we're covering a lot of territory. I, I, I was also kind of confused about the time you have... Um, uh, Oh, what's our immigrant's name? Uh, Tata. 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 Yeah. And he's, he becomes insanely successful as a filmmaker. Like, that's another thing. Like, it's a little on the nose, so to speak. A well, that's the weird part. He At one point, he claims to have created flip books. Yes. And you're like, oh, cool. Okay, interesting. Is that historical? Okay, great. Um, and then at one point, it, it basically ends with him as a film director, and he basically alludes to the idea that he created film. Yeah. And he and it's like also... Uh, the Lumiere and, brothers have something to say about that. Right, and what, right. And so then the, the problem kind of becomes that is, is the... It feels a little bit like in the first act, he like wraps his daughter in like a prayer shawl and he's like praying in Yiddish and singing in Yiddish and stuff. And then in the second act, he kind of loses all of that. Like the Judaism is kind of gone from that whole side of the character and he becomes more of like immigrants, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it almost feels like, OK, this is a note that I wrote and I I don't know if this is like offensive even to say from my mouth, but I'm just going to say it. But if this is an allegorical story then it's almost like the ending of the show just says, and then Jews made Hollywood and they were all fine and everything's over. That's that's what I was trying to get to. Like, also, he married a like. white lady. Yeah. 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 Like, and yeah. then they they made they pat they started passing for white and everything was fine and then they created Hollywood and it feels awful. 
it 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 you know because Jewish immigrants did help form the film industry. Let's not ignore that. Yes, but, but they it, refer to them as the immigrants. Right. This is a, this is meant to right. be a blanket yes, <laughs> metaphor yes, exactly. for all. I just feel exactly. like that whole storyline is so afterthought anyway yeah. to begin with. Like it out of the three, it, it, they they don't get enough time. No. And regardless. Uh, irregardlessly. They don't irregardlessly. Regardlessly. But like but yeah, and um I, I totally agree with you. You're 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 absolutely right. And it felt a little just a, I was a little like ugh, ugh. You yeah. know, because you're 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 talking about a book written by a white man in the 1970s who is you know, looking back. So we're looking through like multiple filters as we talk about this. We're looking at the filters of the 1970s. Then we're looking at the filter of the 1990s. And then we're looking all the way back to 19 where we start 1906, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just tricky. And I think at the end of the day. It just is too much stuff to yeah. cover. I think what Les Mis had, rise what of made Skywalker. Le Mis it's the rise of Skywalker. Problem. <laughs> it's the rise of Skywalker. Well, be, but I think that this is way more nuanced than Les Mis, which is a melodrama. The source material right. for Les Mis is a melodrama. So we don't need to have as much time or knowledge. Like that's the other thing. I think that as an audience, you really have to, you, and to get a lot out of it, you really have to know what was going on and all right. the of the machinations that were happening in 1906 and what was happening and in the world and what was happening in America. say this was commissioned by the Manhattan – or no, not Manhattan Theater, Theater Club. That's Corpus Christi. This was commissioned by someone. Uh, <laughs> uh, Terrence McNally was commissioned to write this. Yes. So – Got it. Okay. Yeah, so I've, he got asked to write it, much like many of his musicals. I'm sure he didn't decide to write Anastasia or Catch Me If You Can. I guarantee he was uh, uh, asked to do them, commissioned to do it. But so he could, he was commissioned to do this. And what the story goes that he read the book, watched the movie. And the problem he had with the movie was that he was like, there's so much historical stuff in the book that the movie doesn't tackle because the movie just focuses in on the three main leads, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which kind of makes it a good movie, right? It's, it yeah. Works. I didn't get time um, to watch it. it I mean, it's fine. I it's curious. totally different. It, it, yeah. It's, it's a gore. Really I mean, it's Milos. So it's, it's Milos it's Forman. gorgeous it's, film. Yeah. It's a gorgeous looking Who film. Who also did Amadeus. He That's right. Amadeus. Which you didn't love a lot of the direction of. So you may not love <laughs> uh, or, you know, makeup uh, choices and whatnot. Um, or wig Are choices. you fighting with me? Again, yes. Fighting? F. Murray Abraham. No. Um, <laughs> that was a good episode. Um, we talked about Amadeus and we, we went off on it. But um, what were we talking about? We were talking about the production company and, and his commission. Oh, so he got commissioned and the story goes that he had that problem with the movie. So then he went back to the book and he said, I'm just going to literally make the book into uh, a, a, a libretto. And so he did. And he turned in a 60 page um, draft and just said, this is it. Find music for it. And they were like, OK, so they auditioned Lacusa uh, of Wild Party fame. They auditioned um, Kander and Ebb. Yeah. And like yeah. all these other people. And they were just basically asking them like, OK, record yourself doing a, a couple of songs that you would write for this in tone or whatever. And they ended up going with Stephen Fla Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah. Flaherty. 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 Uh, who's done a lot. And then uh, the lyrics were Lynn Aaron's 
Um, but it's it, it's interesting because there's just like a lot of huge names that got uh, got asked to audition, and it ends up going to people who weren't as massive. The one thing I kind of found interesting at the end was the father's arc um, that it wasn't as white saviory as the mother or the younger brother for me, but was a personal revelation, a series of personal revelations, and then putting himself in a theoretically dangerous situation to, to help resolve it. I found that that was the thing that I connected to weirdly the most, and it wasn't great. It was just the thing. Siege. I I just wanted to add the other thing that cracked me up about that script, but not really was it's like at the end of the musical is like he died a year later, so then she could get remarried. So I thought his ending was very. Well, and that was another Everyone one of those convenient. Like, eh. But they were also kind of like that about Cole House's death, to be right. quite honest. And there were also like <laughs> fifty different moments of there being like. But up, up, but up, yeah, right, absolutely. Um. Also, I think we mentioned this last time, but we should say it again. Emma Goldman is a makes an appearance and kind oh, of yeah. one of the only parts that works uh, in terms of the the way that she's used theatrically. But I agree, uh, I agree. She Even also appears in the Sondheim musical Assassins. Obviously. Yes, yeah. Gosh was Sholgash. also mentioned in, in Ragtime, yes. who is in Assassins, one yeah. of the characters in Assassins. So this is the part we've all been waiting for. Uh, let me give my super hot take, actually. I forgot about that. Okay. My super hot take is that this came out right around the same time as Waiting for Guffman. Mm-hmm. Waiting for Guffman, I believe, might be directly poking at ragtime a little bit. Now, I know that this movie was being made at the same time that it was like coming out and being run. But like Christopher Guest was in the theater world. He might have had a way of seeing this early on. Um, it comes out a few months after ragtime open, debuted. Okay, because it it comes out in January 97. This is what I think. I honestly think that 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 Red, White and Blaine or whatever it's called, the the musical that they do in Waiting for Guffman is like actively poking at ragtime. I That's should, my hot take. I, you, you may not be wrong. You might be more right than you know, because okay. lest we forget, the U.S. premiere was in L.A. So he's shooting Guffman. And I would not have been surprised at all if he would have seen oh, this. Fuck. If Christopher Guest would not have been there, like he, that's just guaranteed. I, I, you know, so it, yeah, it opens at the it, it, the U.S. premiere is at the Schubert uh, in June of '97, and then it opens on Broadway. Uh, well, previews start on December 26th on Broadway of 1997, right. and then it opens in 90 January of '98. Right. So yeah, yeah. I you, wow. you interesting. Wrong. <laughs> um, okay. Good hot take. Talk. Good hot take. I know. Yeah. I just kept watching it and going like, this is the <laughs> quote unquote the American musical, right? This is the the American like you know whatever uh, story. Um, and I just kept being like, it's just a bigger version of Red, White, and Blaine. I want to talk about Tonys. Yes. There's a lot to say about Tonys. First of all, this uh, this year. The 52nd Tony Awards, uh, 1998, hosted by Rosie O'Donnell, no, no, none other than. Mm. Um, this is the year of Lion King. Yeah. Oh. This is the big year of Lion King. So those okay. are the two musicals really battling it out. You also have the revival of Cabaret with Alan Cummings. 
Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Wow. Cumming. I always say Cummings, but it's coming. Like he's coming. Alan Cummings. Yeah. Um, right. Love him. Um, and then Nata- I think Natasha. Richardson I love Cummings. In that one. Same. Um, <laughs> me too. But we should say that uh, best orchestration, best book, which was Terrence McNally, and best um, uh, music all go to Ragtime. Ragtime. Yeah. Okay. And then it obviously. Living in a movie. Uh, Ragtime. I'm sorry. I can't stop hearing that now. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. So, Thanks. and Audra McDonald obviously gets it for uh, her, even though it's a small part. I, let me see. Is it best Supporting. actress or is it best um, featured? I'm pretty sure it's featured. Supporting. They do featured yeah. actress. In a, yes, it was. Featured actress in a musical up against, weirdly, a very young Anna Kendrick in High Society playing huh. Dinah oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah, there was something else big this year, and now it's it's totally oh Betty Buckley's doing Triumph of Love. There's like there's, there's a bunch stuff. going on. Oh, I got it. What? Alfred Molina is yeah. is nominated this year for art by oh, the no. one and only. I'm not gonna say it right now because at the end we're gonna say who it was, and we did Do have work? somebody guess in the in our dm oh, I so love it. i love I'll it save that for yeah i love um, it yay but so that's a very very exciting year so my take on this is yeah. that what we hit here is we start this is broadway's already been big and corporate but this is really a battle of of corporate stuff this is disney versus this company that did ragtime yeah and i found it ironic that henry ford and the assembly line uh is so featured in ragtime because that's what it felt like it feels like it's a manufactured thing that has so many hands in it you know and and all that and rare (laughs) there we go and and i think that it muted it a little bit in comparison to Lion King, which had the advantage of already having the music for it. But what Disney did is they gave a single visionary the reins and said, go do this. And so Tamor with Lion King accomplishes magic. And I listen, I I, I think Lion King's fine. And I I like a lot of this stuff. I was 10 when that movie came out. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's great. Um, but she, what she did was extraordinary. I mean, incorporating Boon Raku puppetry <laughs> and movement and dance. And I mean, it's, it's. Any of y'all have to say it? about Tamor? Yeah, I've seen it multiple times. I've seen, yeah. I mean, I saw the Oof. touring company. I saw, I saw it in London and it's just Oof. like, yeah, it's just, it's impeccable. For all the bad things that people have to say about Julie Tamor, like she gave us that. Yeah. We will talk about that. Titus one day because oh, I like Titus. Been forever affected by that movie. I like yeah. Titus. Yeah. That's a that's a good fucking movie. That's going to be my pick for Shakespeare tragedies. Oh, Come back y'all. Yeah. Shakespeare tragedies. CJ Did I tell y'all Titus. I did a Titus Andronicus musical? <gasps> yeah, I you would did. Love you love it. That. Yeah. Oh, I brought it up last time because uh the girl who played the little girl in Ragtime at Lavinia. the Playhouse was my Lavinia. Um she's phenomenal. Which we should Oh, we should say Leah Michelle um was the original young girl that was her broadway debut was uh oh and paul Paul dano was the young boy was he really yeah clairvoyant is that him on in in the i don't think no i'm almost positive it's not um because it doesn't look like him but he he was he was uh one of them one one of the original little boys in in it which is fascinating that those two are so successful and 
other than Brian Stokes, Mitchell, and Andre McDonald. The rest of the right. cast is. I will okay. say, I will say, just real quick that in talking about you know, too many chefs create this sort of bloated thing for me. It's it, it's ragtime's not awful. It's just it it just misses for me. But in it, what's fascinating is that if I was tasked the head of a corporation who was trying to put together a world-class musical uh and needed to find a librettist um yeah i'd go to terrence mcnally <laughs> I would go to terrence, terrence McNally. and i think he does the best he can i just think it's i think it's it's just a case of biting off more than you can chew it's just too yeah. much material to try it's and, not, and it's, boil down it's, it's like we said like east of eden musical would have been terrible Yes. And this would this is the, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say it's fucking terrible cuz it's not. And I do have a it's lot of love terrible. for certain certain aspects of it. It's not terrible. And but you're right. It's that it's almost like this didn't need to be a musical. Hmm. It is a musical and we'll cherish it for the things it does right, but did it need to exist? I don't know. Did it change anybody's perspective on something? I hope so. Maybe that'd yeah. be rad. Maybe. Did yeah, it for yeah. me? Yeah, no. For sure. Maybe we're too past woke. Like maybe we're I mean, that's, I almost don't even I say that myself, as a good thing. I, I did ask myself that question, too. I'm like, is this already dated? Does this already need to be updated? Because we're not yeah. even, at, you know, we're just at 20 years of it. And But uh, it was what kind of what we said about lips together, teeth apart, where it's like, uh, here in L.A., maybe. But this, where I'm from or where Bailey's from, uh, yeah. you know, un maybe, unfortunately, right. maybe not. But, you know... <laughs> On a positive note, uh, before we move on to the next one, Terrence McNally uh, is the was the go-to guy for if you were gonna adapt a movie and and put it or a book, I guess, uh, put it on stage. You know, that's who you went to. He did Full Monty. He did Anastasia, which was his last big one. I still um, haven't seen that movie. I think isn't Kiss of the Spider Woman a book or is it an old movie? Kiss of the Spider Woman was, I believe, or is it its own thing. I believe it was it was a novel that is written as a dialogue. Yeah. As I Whoa. recall. Yeah, it's written directly as a dialogue. Uh and then was made into an extraordinary film. Yeah. I don't know if you would cast it the same today, but William but... Hurt and Raul Julia. Oh, cool. Okay, let's move on. Uh oh, I forgot to mention Catch Me If You Can. He did the Catch Me If You Can. Oh, book. Catch Me If You okay. Can. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Uh it's bad. Okay, so <laughs> Um, it's a stupid idea for a musical. Well, it's just a dumb idea for a musical. It's already a, a a true story that the movie like hyperbolizes on and makes like a lot bigger, and then it's an adaptation of the movie. So it's like Ugh. it's bad. It's not good. It's bad. There's one song that works in it, and it's um, "Fly Fly Away," I think is what it's called, and and it's the Amy Adams character from the movie sings a song about him leaving. And it's it's an amazing song to use in an audition, which is why I've heard it five thousand billion. But right, I, I know. Direct a musical, oh, yeah, yeah. you're gonna hear it. You know. Okay. Next up, we have a play that I'm really excited to talk about. We have disparaged a little bit on Ragtime. I hate to do it, but we have a little bit. This one, we have a lot of mixed feelings on. I'm gonna go ahead and say mine are mostly positive, but I'm very excited to talk about this one. I've known yeah. this one for a long time. 1997s, weirdly, because it's kind of at the same time as Ragtime, Corpus Christi. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get into it, um, CJ, I have a confession. Yeah. Sometimes uh, late at night, I think about uh, uh, sad things in the world, and I have a. Oh, nice. uh, I have what I like to call a. CJ's breakdown. Yet another retelling of the Jesus myth where he called Joshua and the apostles are gay men living in modern day Texas. Thank Great you scene, for... by the way, guys. That Thank was you. Thank you. sexy Thank you. as fuck. Thank yeah, we were you. making eye contact through Zoom the whole time. As well. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. some hot sex, S-E-K-S. I, I just ahead. real quick want to say thank you, CJ, for s- describing it as the Jesus myth. I appreciate that. <laughs> Jesus myth. Right. Myth. Ma- my mom won't listen to this. It's fine. <sighs> gotcha. Yeah. I mean, y- here's the thing. That's kind of what it is, though, right? Is that it's him taking yeah. something that we already know. It's a, It's at this point, basically, like American mythos, um, the story that we tell uh, in Sunday school. And, you know, especially if you're going off like the King James version, it's the Europeanized, rewritten, re-edited, whatever text. But pulling that away and then doing something different with it, we've seen a lot of of uh, plays that did that. Uh, uh, Desdemona, I mean, obviously, that's Shakespeare, um, but it's still like, you know, pulling something we already know and flipping it a little bit. Even Eurydice does that a little bit, right? Yeah. Where it's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Myth then this is going to warp your your sort of vision on it. We should talk about first of all before we like really get into this. The Manhattan Theater Club was putting this up and before they even opened they canceled it because of how many protests were going on and they were fearing wow. uh, violence. They did then decide they don't believe in censorship and that they were going to hire security and have all these extra ID badges and stuff. And they ended up running the show for a little bit. However, there was a lot of protests, mostly people saying that there was sodomy and tons of fellatio in the show and um, all these things. But the question that was always asked was like, have you seen the show? And they're like, no, I would never see that show. And it's like, well, then you can't you can't say that you know exactly what's in it because... Those things don't happen in it. I had a friend that was in the ensemble of the play, the Julius Caesar that was in Central Park, that Julius Caesar looked an awful lot like Trump. It was like four summers ago or something. Yeah. And he kept talking, like it sold, it was packed every night, of course, especially once it hit Fox News. And there was this whole section of people holding up signs and being loud saying like, you should boo at the show and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to stand there with another sign that said, like, I don't think you know this play. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't get it. Well, Have you ever read this play? Like- right. That's the weirdest part of that is that it's sort of like it's not really even about how much of a dictator Julius Caesar is. It's like, no, it's about the, the people surrounding him and how they feel about it. And they're like, you know, it's uh, we'll do it's more a, about we'll do- the fallout. Well, yeah. and, and the exact yeah. the exact same thing happened with Last Temptation of Christ. And, right. you know, we, we I, I can certainly understand. Not really, but I'll say I can. Uh, I can understand people, <laughs> but they're they're incorrect. Like the, the same accusations are made with Last Temptation that it's blasphemous. It's not blasphemous it's because, not. The pe- because the people aren't believers. You right. have to be a believer to be blasphemous. But also yeah. Last Temptation of Christ, which also might be my argument for this, 
is are, they're both actually weirdly beautifully faithful to the idea of the faith of this religion, the good parts of the faith of Christianity, sure. right? Oh, There's yeah. a side of this that if you are spiritual, you're going to get something out of this. And it's not even that you have to be Christian, but right. gay people have been drummed out of religion and spirituality for a long time, especially in America, but oh. weren't always, but are right. very much today. And this is sort of a way for Terrence to, in one way, take that back, but in another way, prove like there's a hundred ways to look at any story. And at the end of the day, it's all about the same thing. It, it They're all parables. This is a parable. I'm going to take this parable and I'm going to warp it for you. But I'm at the end of the day, I'm telling the same story about acceptance and about love and about the energy that you put into the world and that and the way that we obscure things in our mind and, and change things in our mind. There's a telling of the Jesus story in every major religion. I mean, that's the thing too. It, it, Funnily enough, there's there's the telling of the of the Jesus story in religions before Jesus existed. What? what? Um, so, yeah, Very so, true. And I mean, uh, we lies. are we've we've said our piece on, especially Blasphemy. in our Durang, um, you know, uh, oh, episode. Yeah. We've said our piece on on church and and Christianity. But we right. we should also say, even if I I mean. I even know pe people who claim atheism who are like practicing atheists and that's like their spirituality and they find right. a spirituality there. So I don't think I don't think you can tell anybody that it, that anything they believe is wrong because we don't know. However, just like every text, just like every you know, a uh, story handed down from the Odyssey to the mythos of the native people of America to whatever it may be. It is a parable. It's a way to teach a morality and to give new outlooks and How to live well. Right. And I think this is almost this could be and I think is for some people. We'll talk about the sort of like fandom of this, the standom of this that has grown, which there is one. There's a huge subculture oh, yeah. and I'll talk about it. Uh, but th this is beloved as a Bible to some people. Hmm. Sure. Because they that. do believe in God and the Christian idea of God. And they do believe in uh, a lot of the things that the Judeo-Christians teach, because let's be straight up, there are a lot of beautiful things there. But when we think about it, we think of Leviticus and all the things that were edited into a Leviticus and things about slaves and wives and beating people who wear certain things on a certain day. And like, that's what we really think of. But there's also beauty there, just like in every religious text. The problem is, is the way that it's obscured. Right. You know, the problem oh, yeah. is, is the way that it's you, the power structure. In, that's right. It's, for it, sure. it's, it's, yeah. it's, right. it's that faith. Uh, became specifically Christianity very quickly un and unfortunately became politicized. And yeah. then it became about power. And then all of the derivations and the, the various, um, you know, Protestant versus Catholicism, all of that is about little power structures and little fiefdoms. And Gene Siskel, I remember this very clearly, Gene Siskel, wrote and, and did a really powerful thing when they reviewed Last Temptation of Christ going, basically talking about that the biggest problem that he saw people having was that it humanized Christ. That in Last Temptation of Christ, you see Christ tempted, that he's given a choice and he gets to view that 
the end result of that choice. And that's what I thought think is so successful about this play. It's is also, a, isn't that the point of Jesus that he is human and that that's why he, well, that's ape, the whole right? thing. That's what Gene Siskel said. It's like, if he wasn't yeah. a man, then, then being on the cross didn't mean anything. That's right. And, and it's true. And the humanization of, of, of him in this, story and you can feel that so much of it is is mcnally himself right which gives it an even an even more personal rounded view of a human being and and uh, a leader whose end message is love the head of the catholic league saw this show uh on broadway bill donahue <gasps> bill donahue um uh he came and afterwards he went on tv uh and he was saying this weird big old smile on his face. He was saying that the most sinful and terrible, it was the most sinful and terrible show. And he was disgusted by its bigotry against Christians. That was a lot of the like opinions on this were that it was anti-Christian and there was bigotry. And there's this great video of this woman outside of uh, one of the protests. And you can tell she's kind of like Irish Catholic, you know, and she goes, she's like, they're always they're always coming after the Catholics and all I could think of is they're always after me lucky charm. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, oh, it's talking... a, just a good old healthy dose of conviction, y'all. You saw that play and we're like, maybe I'm not that great of a Christian. Listen, yeah. if um if the Catholic Church can't handle um uh, a gay man writing a play, uh then it 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 doesn't deserve to to survive maybe i don't know yeah. uh, well, i don't have i don't have a lot of sympathy for one of the wealthiest institutions on the planet yeah. going after a small play that's about love well, this and, is the catholic and beauty. league mind it's you it's a catholic, catholic league, league is, yeah but is they're financed they're bowling league but they're fine they're fine they're financed by the, the church, church. They, they but the story does go that bill donahue came to this show and the whole cast was aware it's like when mike pence saw hamilton the whole cast was aware that he was there and they knew where he was sitting and they said the, the Jesus specifically said that he came out for like an early monologue and saw him third row and he was sleeping and he went backstage and it was like 15 minutes in and he was like, oh, I think he's sleeping. And they said the whole show, they kept checking in and he was sleeping the whole show. So the fact that he came out saying all this shit, it's like, dude, you didn't even watch it. You weren't even present. Like, what are you talking <laughs> what about? What a jerk. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there was also a planned staging of the play in Athens in 2012, but cool. there were massively violent protests. Whoa! Um, by clergy a... members and party members, uh, wow. journalists and audience members uh, were banned in the theater. A uh, conviction? And the premiere got canceled and they never did it. And this reminds me of something that's going on right now. Have you guys heard of the Belarus Free Theater? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this theater company in Belarus, which is going through a lot of shit. There's right a now. lot of craziness happening it's there right crazy, now. It's crazy, but it's totalitarian wow. in a lot of ways. And there's this couple, and they started a theater company called the Belarus Free Theater Company, and they were putting up shows. And they ended up getting arrested and uh, opening night got destroyed by cops and things like that. Wow. And they got exiled. So Whoa. they still have the company. It does not have a theater space, but they do not live in the country. They live somewhere else. 
and they still run the the show. They zoom in to direct all of the pieces. The performers are literally putting their lives on the line to perform the shows they do. They could get killed or arrested or worse um, just for doing it. And it's all in secret. And the only way you can go to the show is if you get, get like, it's like a speakeasy. There's like codes and passwords and they get passed around it's amazing that they're doing this it's also super sad that it's the situation but it reminds me of indecent a little yes. bit sure, sure. play yeah. and it's like that's going on right the fuck now yeah oh, but yeah. they're still running this theater man comedy. i just came in my pants thinking well, about it's all how free. fucking cool they are it's all free belarus free theater Damn. it's all free no yeah. ticket price the coolest yeah. version of me would be one of the actors in that company. Right? <laughs> and it's all it's apparently all very anti-government theater. Like, the stuff they're Ugh. doing is, is profound. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Go Belarus. Go. I know. I mean, I just, we had to bring it up because it's just, it's a That's thing. That's fucking um, awesome, though. Like, it is cool. cool ass people. Anyway, office. thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, no, uh, Corpus Christi. Uh I'll, I'll send us off by just talking about, I mean, the opening of this play with the baptisms uh, is sort of the better version of the opening of Ragtime. It's it's magnificent. And one I of the it. things that, that, that gave me a, a theater boner uh, starting to read it was just the, the theatricality, the sheer ceremony and theatricality yeah. of those first five pages and each actor being introduced. The idea that the actors are all the actors are omnipresent minus one moment where they leave him alone on stage, but yeah. that they're all sitting in on benches at all times, that they're playing all of the characters. My, Judas, Judas and Joshua are the only two. Uh, that don't play other characters, I'm pretty sure. Right. Correct. Yes. Um, May I just even say... Even God is like six people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. May I just say I am the most enormous slat for ritual <laughs> theater. Like my yes. final my final project for my religion degree was We Did the Serpent by Jean-Claude Van Itali. Like mm. I lose my shit for like the living theater for Dionysus yeah. in 69. I... Man, you're gonna baptize everyone on stage before we start this play. I am in. Yeah, I loved it. There's, you know, uh, a lot of interviews of like the original cast and and later casts being like, that's when. I mean, you walk on as yourself. Like yeah. that was the whole thing. And then the second you're baptized, you're just you're the character and you just go into it. And I was, I just got chills. Like I, I want to do it. that so badly. Like something where you get to just be like chill and relax and not even worried about it and then you get fucking ritualized into something yes i love it. it come on that's that's the yeah, shit. No, it's church it's, it's church it's church it's, it's church it's and they're it, all in the white khakis and the you know and they have the one singular look but they're they look like they work at the gap well yeah. it's a, it's inspired by a gap ad <laughs> is so it really terrence mcnally said that he was watching <laughs> a, a gap ad with a bunch of cute young boys in it the young men in it it was men it was you know like the that old um uh, selling their chinos yeah i mean we remember it it was and yes, that's what they were wearing sure. but they uh he said that he was watching it and he kept thinking of that's he was he kept going it's weird that they're selling that when that's what i wore to catholic school <laughs> and so he was like i'm gonna make that part of this play is like that's what they're wearing the whole time and um you don't have to do it that way but i think it really works and then you do it really stripped down two benches um, and then, you know, it says that there should be like a pool and a fire, but I think you can kind of like analog those a little bit. Sure. Right. Yeah. Maybe I not. Uh, Gobos. I it's perfect. Sure. <laughs> I will say um, 
one of the things that struck me and how much things have changed since 1997 is how very white the cast is. The original cast, class, yeah. 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 Uh, which I, I, you know, you would have to do differently today. And uh, But yeah, I... It, it it was interesting because I, I read this play and as you both know, I am a huge fan of Monty Python's Life of Brian, which I believe is one of the great satires ever made. Yeah. yeah. And so there there were times where I was like, is this I guess here's my I, I guess I'm trying to get to my criticisms of this, which I I, I sat down and read it in a single sitting. Mm-hmm. I did not stop. I did not break. I read through it. I right. I just thought in the middle, there were a few times where it got a little sketchy. And I mean, sketch comedy-ish, a little wacky sure. with its stuff. All the high school stuff is a little silly. Yeah. Oh, um, I love that stuff. The prom stuff. I love that stuff. Oh, it's I love fun, the prom but I... stuff. Just some, of the, just some of the bits just were were bits to me. And it's funny because when I went and read some of the original reviews, they were kind of like, ah, this is Okay what they were really giving credit to was was pulling off the production sure was doing it and 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 putting it out there uh there wasn't a lot of insanely glowing reviews of the play and i uh, and i was like this is but it's a play that's endured so as i'm reading right. old old articles i'm like it's really interesting that you know even today you could like we could maybe get away with it at some at Sacred Fools. Yeah, we would still get like people would still complain about it, but like we could still do it. Yeah, uh, we should talk about. There's this the um this production of it that McNally signed off on in 2006. It hadn't really been done. I mean, I think they had tried to get it done at a couple different places, but hadn't been done since the original. And uh, it was in the Valley actually, and this multicultural church. Uh, yes. which is a church that's like very open to all you know walks of life and, cool. and people LGB- and whatever. LGBTQ. LGBTQ, all the is things. Is it Methodist? No, uh, I think it's, it's also it depends also. Actually, that's the other thing is that they call themselves open too. True, but it's it's called MCC churches and they it's almost its own denomination, but I think there are denominations of MCC churches. Like I think you could be Protestant, you could be Methodist, you could be Baptist, theoretically. Got it. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been in the church. So Sure, right. But so I think the the interesting part of it though is that this this group, uh this director had like this vision and he somehow got the rights to do it and they put up this small like with no pay he was like he got these actors and they put up this show and they ended up getting the they got asked to tour it wow to other mccs mm-hmm. to other cool. multicultural churches so they did and they ended up touring like the world doing corpus christi and there's a phenomenal documentary on amazon huh. if anybody yeah gets I, wa- I watched watch uh it. it's also on youtube and oh, okay i watched uh watched the trailer and watched i haven't watched the whole thing but right just I, I actually other, didn't but it's fantastic it but it's fantastic there's it's a terrence real- mcnally doc as well that everyone should watch that i haven't watched but there this was specifically on this tour of Corpus Christi yeah. and they go to Ireland and they're dealing with Catholics in Ireland protesting Shit. and they, they got protested everywhere they went. They did it a few things, a few times in Texas, but they did this for years wow. and they started, they got a following of people who actually would tour with them to see the show over and over again. So oh, they didn't even Corpus interview Christi a few heads. Of them. Yeah. Christie heads. <laughs> and they, and, and they interview a few of them. They're like almost like, 
groupies of this thing and a few cool. like there's one guy in particular who's just like man it it's like my bible like it's I, I went and saw it and it was the first time i was able to like really understand a lot of the things about christianity that i hated even though mm -hmm. i wanted to still be spiritual and wanted to be part of the church or whatever it may be but then also um another really cool side of it is like there's a lot of these stories about how they'd be performing and there'd be protesters and there's this great video of uh the woman who played uh excuse me the man who played judas who is trans hmm. um this this tour cast it uh completely color gender blind so it's mostly women actually but it's all you know it's trans people it's all these things but there's this trans man playing judas i think it's judas I actually can't remember, but it's just, they only show him for like a little bit in the doc so far. I'm, I haven't finished it. Um, but he decides I'm going to go out and talk to these um, uh, protesters wow. in Ireland, these Catholic protesters, and starts filming and starts just being like, have you read the play? And like being really sweet. And the story goes that one of the groupies, one of the guys who had been like following them around had been like yelling at these protesters all day and the protesters were yelling back and it was getting really weird. And so this is why this actor went out there and the actor started being like, let's talk about this and let's, and, but it was all from the other person's point of view. It was all saying like questions. It was just like, and why do you feel that way? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I see that. And, and what does this mean to you? Oh, okay. Beautiful. And then she just explained, he just explained the play. And I'm going to start saying they, because actually now that, I, now that I think about it, they never said that they were trans. They were presenting male and uh, had, uh, I shouldn't say all this. We should just fucking delete me saying all this. <laughs> no, um, my point is that um, the person playing Judas, I believe, just like started explaining the play to them, mm -hmm. to these people that were, and at by the end of it, they were like smiling and kind of being like, oh, interesting. Um, well, okay, well, be well, like have a good one and they ended up leaving some of them so mm -hmm. it was just kind of this like really beautiful side of like well but we could also just like go talk to them about why they think they need to do this and i grew up near the i apologize for monologuing but i grew up near the westboro baptist church like 45 minutes they came away. to webster my freshman year oh yeah they they'll anywhere in the midwest they will make yeah. sure they get to a show if it has anything that they deem we were uh, specifically doing the laramie project oh right they My always search time. out the laramie project they always search yeah. out rent um and they'll really? wow. oh yeah and, and and they'll they'll be there they'll make sure that they're there and any drag uh show that they can get their hands on um really? they protested my drag show in um at ku that i hosted uh my freshman year of college yeah no big deal um Fred Phelps. Westboro Baptist guy. Church. I think he's dead. Is he? Because the, the lead dude's dead. Yeah, because yeah, right. okay. his daughter now runs it, and yeah. she is 5,000 times worse than he is. Ooh, yeah. Yikes. But he has a son who uh, left the church when he was young, lives in L.A., and is like a huge uh, proponent for trying to shut it down. So cool. That's, that's a cool good side of shit. it. All right. Yeah. At least now, that. <laughs> I, I find great irony in the protests <clears> – <throat> Because the power of this play is, and what excites me when I think about it, is the idea of a 15-year-old who's not sure of their sexuality, who's been bullied, who's 
dealt with toxic in a place where it's not safe to be in a place right. where it's not safe and could see this Most play and could connect themselves to some divinity yeah and mm-hmm. and some spirituality and and get something out of it why would you want to fight that yeah like the, you know, the the analogy the the metaphor will will always evolve and change and i mean i think that's that's the problem with the church you know in you know capital letters the church is this uh bigoted churches in general and yeah. bigoted churches but you know even those that you know struggle with it like i know i have plenty of friends and family who are deeply catholic and who struggle all the time with I, I you know i'm supposed to not accept you because you're gay or whatever and but you seem like a pretty okay person yeah <laughs> and it's like but like i that's what I, I i it just it just dumbfounds me that in a time where statistically speaking faith is on the decline religion is on the decline right by dramatic numbers that you wouldn't want to i don't know you know, uh, uh, rebrand yourself, remarket yourself a little bit and bring in more people to share what should be the heart of it. I mean, it's my biggest reason why I've always resisted Christianity um, is because of the hypocrisy of it. At the end of the day, Jesus came along and created a New Testament, maybe, uh, metaphorically or, or otherwise, allegorically or otherwise, in which love should trump everything. But also, we wouldn't hate uh, a lot of the Christian stuff as much if we weren't born in America, raised around it. You know, we'd have problems with some other religion or some whatever. It's a problem sure. everywhere, and there are other religions that are just as oppressive. Um, but I think the the beauty of it is the ability to find spirituality there and... A lot of people do that. And so I, I just don't want to shit on anyone for their spiritual faith. For I sure. do want to shit on people who use it to be hypocritical and to because it's not everyone. Right. It's just not everyone. I'm sure there are listeners of this podcast who have sat through us fucking ripping apart uh, the Catholic Church on the Durang episode mm-hmm. and, and really took those punches. But we should say that there is beauty in, in any spirituality as long as there is not hate as long as there is not um uh putting yourself on a pedestal because of this faith or and also any type of evangelizing in my opinion is just as sinful and terrible as well those yeah things. and you and using using faith as a power yeah tool yeah. uh and using it to a power tool hold, like a, a drill? power tool yeah 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 uh uh you you, you get what i'm saying <laughs> anything that anytime you <laughs> jesus <laughs> Anytime you use faith to oppress people or to make people lesser, that's when it fails. Yeah. That's when it's a failure. It's not good. Um, so th- th- this play is the opposite of it. It's it's actually quite reverent yeah. in terms of, of, of following the bullet points of, of the New Testament. Uh, you know, we, we, and it covers everything. We get, we get the, you know, we get the missing years. We get, uh, we get all of it. And that it just deals with this 
aspect of humanity that's existed since the beginning of humanity and uh, the idea of, of sexual preference or sexual orientation and the way that society programs us to feel about things and feel about people. Right. Uh, and to have those to be, a, I, I can't imagine being a young person struggling with those feelings. In, and so the crucifixion way. gets to be sort of this, this metaphor for hate, the pain mm. that hate is causing. Right. And, and rather than it be in, in, in this play, he's being crucified for being gay. Yeah. Like that is very much it, you know? And so it, it, it it's a nice turn on it. Um, but the whole the whole idea is that this Jesus named Joshua, which I like, I like that it's not we're not going Jesus the whole time, you know. Right, it's, right, it right. Takes it out of it a little bit. It's like no, this is a different, it's a different person, but it's not. Um, but he's choosing to focus, focus. He's choosing to pivot. He's choosing to focus on the love aspect of scripture, right, rather right. than the judgment aspect of scripture, and I think that's what we're getting into when we talk about the hypocrisy of the church is that there's a focus on the judgment and not a focus on the love. And they preach it as love because they're like, I love my family, so I'm practicing love. And it's like, yeah, but do you love George Floyd? Yeah. Do you love Breonna Taylor? Do you love Marsha P. Johnson? Like, I mean, like, where's right. the love start and stop for you? Because it seems like, hmm, I don't know. May I share my favorite line that dovetails off Please. of that yes. Joshua line? And I want to want to take it out and yell it in front of every church and also in front of Congress. You are my brother. If you are wretched, I am wretched too. Hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. yeah. There, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think that this is, there are moments where this is some of McNally's most beautiful writing, probably because it's so personal. Um, I love the line, uh, we all have mirages we chase after. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, and, oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then, the final oh, sort of <laughs> statement of it is, is like, Joshua loved everyone despite their potential sins. Jesus loved everyone beside their, dis despite their potential sins. And that's, yeah. that's the whole point of the Bible. If you really read it, like if you're really trying to learn morality from it that's what it's trying to say it's not trying to say that the world's gonna end that's not even there i have a hard time getting through all the fucking bagats <laughs> do you read um, the bible often so you're like yeah i mean sometimes i, I just pick I it started, up i started i started it nine times i've started it nine like well, every time i get, get through to those bagats <laughs> like like the fourth book of dune i've tried it tried yeah it, it broke every me. time i get to the letter for the romans i just Ugh, fucking do it <laughs> Um, okay. There's, so... There was a, there was another th revelation I, I had because uh, I've read this several times and I've, I've never seen a production, uh, but I just was you know I, you you know how I get about religion so I was always a fan and was rooting for it, uh, especially if it was pissing off Bill Donahue. I'm sorry, don't mean yeah. To, I don't mean to be too anti-Catholic, uh, but but also uh, fuck Bill Donahue. Thank you. Um, but the <laughs> thank you. Tr hashtag truth. Hashtag truth. Uh, was the the, dis the 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 love that he discovers for himself, the Joshua, the revelation that Joshua has for himself and yeah. accepting who and what he is uh, about. There's the, a, a sad line. 
I think right in the middle, uh, there goes a man who doesn't like who he is. Mm. And and by the end, he does. And because you're uh, that analysis that he gets crucified for his homosexuality is absolutely true. But it also still is a sacrifice. He is still sacrificing himself for us for a bigger yeah. purpose. And so th that's a, it's such a beautiful thing to put into a play that is a merging of self and uh, mythology and religion and uh, messianic figures right. uh, that he never takes himself. Jesus never thought of himself as a Messiah, as a messianic figure. Right. Uh, he just kept doing his thing. And that's, that's he what he wasn't born a Messiah. I, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, well, you know who my messiah is? Jared Leto. Prince? Carol, Carol Churchill. <laughs> um, okay, so... Tom Scarrett. Uh, Tom Scarrett, also. Um, I want to read a quote by McNally before we close out. How do y'all feel? Please. Yeah, please. So this was in an address to uh, the members of the League of American Theaters and Producers. He remarked, I think theater teaches us who we are what our society is and where we are going. I don't think theater can solve the problems of a society, nor should it be expected to. Plays don't do that. People do. But plays can provide a forum for the ideas and feelings that can lead a society to decide to heal and change itself. And I think that's what we're talking mm, about yeah. all the time, right? Is like Well said, Terrence. Yeah, well said. Is that yeah, no, not us. Do, and I think this is the argument with, that I end up having with a lot of non-theater people when we and it's not an argument as much as a conversation about like why I do theater. Right. And why a lot of the greats do theater. I'm not saying I'm a great, but I think why a lot of the greats do theater and why a lot of the people who are putting out quality work do theater because they know that there is potential that someone might see that and have a spark and go start a new conversation with themselves or with someone else. Sure. That is that is the the minute seed of what theater really can do and then it can spread and it can become a bigger thing and really change the minds of people, but you have to do a lot of theater to constantly be trying to do that work. And yes, we also like the applause. We also like, you know, there's a lot of um self fulfillment there i love attention <laughs> no. right i no. mean it, no. well, and, then, no. and then there are people who are just in it for that and i think that's the side of of theater that we're always talking about the three of us off mic most of the time about the side of it of people who who are who may be passionate but aren't necessarily purposeful and are doing it for the applause and not necessarily for the act of creating something or the act of of changing a mind or creating a spark for somebody or and that doesn't collaborating and share or collaborating and share, which is why uh, my probably my biggest reason for it is the collaboration. I, I mean, that's why we're here doing this. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I just think, um, I think we need to keep making theater. That's all I want to say. <laughs> I lost my train of thought, but yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I it's it's I'm glad that this exists and I'm glad that it still pushes buttons and it will push buttons for another 50 years, maybe 100 years like it's this play isn't going anywhere. This might end up being his legacy, I feel. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I think you know, I love yeah. love valor, compassion, which yeah. we didn't discuss here, but 
Uh, right. We should it, say he's got a bunch of big, big hitters that we didn't discuss. For sure. But we I feel come like back to McNally. Well, oh yeah, we'll have to on our tenth season. But even like Love, Valor, Compassion, and Lips Together, Teeth Apart are 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 aging a little bit. They're, they're a, little, a, little, yeah. a little dated. For sure. This one has a timeless quality to it. It does. Uh, that uh, I think will. It'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to talk about in ten years. To talk about ten, his legacy and yeah, I and, think there's also a time where it won't be as like <gasps> to some audiences. For like sure. you could take it to Kansas and people will be like, okay, interesting. Then yeah. they may not go blasphemy. Yeah, <laughs> um, sacrilege. yeah, he's got a He's got a lot of good plays. Mothers and Sons uh, is a newer one. I think that was like 2014, maybe 2016. He does Anastasia and Fire and Air, which did really well. Um, so he, you know, he, he was writing stuff all the way up until then. So in terms of evolutions, we didn't get to really dig into where he got to. Um, so it would be fun to retackle him at some point because it was honestly, it was just hard to find his plays. That's the biggest issue. All season 10 should be retackles. Great. I love that. And we'll redo Neil Simon, which we never posted. That was and our we'll, first try. And we'll redo Arthur Miller and, and do second goes at all these people we keep talking about wanting to do more of their shit. Yeah. I love that. All right, guys. This is the part that I love most because... Bailey loves ranking shit. That's right. I love ranking shit. What? So I want to hear wait, y'all's wait, rankings. When did this start? No, I'm oh, it, uh, when I was uh, circa 1994, uh, <laughs> there was this moment where uh, someone asked me to rank all of my favorite uh, superheroes. And Aww. I said, oh, that, that sounds impossible. The rest would get jealous. And they thought that that was the cutest answer ever. And ever since then, I've been like, I'm really cute when I rank things. So I'm going to do that. You are that was really a terrible... Cute. Made up story. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, rankings. Uh, go ahead, Siege. Three, ragtime. Two, lips together, teeth apart. One, Corpus Christi. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sensing something here. Uh, Scott? Yeah, yes, she's correct. That she's ranking, correct. Those Finally. rankings are correct. I do agree. Uh, and I would like to also uh, confirm um, that that is exactly right. That is the only way to rank these. How? Well, yay. Hooray. So I, I love lives that? together, but Corpus Christi edges it out. Oh a little no, bit and, for sure. and, and I hate to to say to describe it like this. Corpus Christi is a more important play. If that, sure. like, I, I I don't mean to diminish diminish more important anything. now. Certainly. At the time, lips together was obviously you know I'm I'm glad sure, it happened. Sure, sure, yeah, did, yeah. Uh, and 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 it's still a great play. I I really enjoyed reading lips together to the part ragtime. You know I. I Next time a production is around, I I will make an effort to see it because I want to see it on on the stage. But it just it just left me cold. It is official that Cor- that Corpus Christi is the best of these three. Uh, we love it so much. Uh, do you guys have any? I think Siege, you had said maybe Chloe, right? Chloe for sure. Be a good um, role for you. I'd like to be in the ensemble of Ragtime and just sing, learn all the music. That'd be fun. I also would love to see you as like God and Bartholomew or whoever else God plays in Corpus Christi if they did a, a another, you know, gender bent cast. Because actually that isn't more for now, especially it's kind of more interesting to not do all white cis dudes. Absolutely. You know, it's still telling something right. else if you're doing Judas and and Jesus as these 
non-hetero characters it like right. still really works you know yeah i just put i'd love to be involved in it in some way choreograph yeah. producer but listen i'll fucking be in this shit you know how yeah. i feel about a baptism yeah what do you think scott <laughs> now y'all know um first of all yeah i absolutely 100 percent agree like uh I, I think as long as judas and, and joshua remain men you, well, you they can be any color they want to be but the rest of the cast can be whatever you want it to be and these days probably should be as dynamic and diverse as possible uh and i would love to see a man of color play joshua uh especially yeah. would be, hell yeah it'd be great um, or a trans man play joshua here here yeah uh i uh uh my dream roles i would love to play sam in yeah. to get the teeth apart same uh sam i think it's it's uh, a harder character john's interesting but sam's the one i'd want to play uh corpus christi uh i i would i would love to just be a part of it in any way but i think i would want to direct it the most yeah i'm so sacrilegious and and buried in my atheism like I, I don't want to be too irreverent but i think i would really really enjoy especially with a really dynamic dynamic and, and diverse cast i would really enjoy staging this the, one of the other things just real quick that i love about it because bailey i want to hear yours as well is is the theatricality of this and how big or small it could be you could do this yeah. in a 20 seat black box or a, a five thousand seat, like it's it's so malleable in a Roman yeah. amphitheater type you thing. You really sure. totally could and 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 have it yeah. rock in so many ways. But yeah, it's it's great because cool. you, you could do it on the cheap. That's the great thing, and yeah. another reason why I think it'll be one of his great legacies is you can anybody could do this on the cheap. We did Equus at Hogwarts the same way where we just did benches and the cast was sitting on stage the whole time and was step up, which I think is how a lot of people do Equus, but um, it just really works. I love that kind of theatrical stuff. Um, my only dream role is Sam. Yeah, that's the one that I really like crave. I'd want to direct Corpus Christi really badly and uh, um, that's really it. I mean, I, I don't really see a part for me in Ragtime that I'd want to tackle. Um, it's an interesting one. I'd love to see it someday. Can uh, I just point good. out super fast, especially Corpus Christi and Ragtime, this was prime Sarah Kane time. Oh, that's true. That's deep Sarah Kane time. Yeah. yeah. I just It just popped in my head about like... Yeah, she put out Cleansed this year, I feel like. Wow. Yeah. Or yeah. Crave. Um, okay, LA Spotlights, do we have any? LA Spotlight. Yeah, uh, I've said it uh, on the last episode, and we're still uh, fighting for it. Uh, SB 805, State Bill 805, if you live in California, if you love the performing arts, uh, this isn't just a Los Angeles thing. It's for the it's entire state. It's a big deal. It's literally could be life-changing. For a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of people, as well as just a reinvigoration of arts, especially on a small scale, uh, small theater, small dance companies um, could get funded if this bill passes. Things are looking good right now, but if you live in California, if you have friends or relatives uh, in California and you're somewhere else, encourage them to contact their state assembly person and their state senator and urge them to vote yes on SB 805. Whoop. Yep. 
Uh, other than that, Fringe is starting to heat up. I know I'm starting to get a lot of emails about Fringe and, and prepping, but uh, everything's, Fringe. everything's on hold right now um, until uh, clarity from the state and the county and the city in terms of what yeah. can open up and when it can open up. But we're headed we'll in the right path. We're headed in the right direction. You got anything, Siege? No. No. <laughs> I don't really either. Um, but, you know... Thank you a lot, nerds, for joining us for part two of Pod Together Cast Apart and the final episode uh, of our mini-series on Terrence McNally. Join us next week for another bonus episode of Theater, Theater, and Stuff, a CJ's pick of the 1965 movie, The Great Race, starring Natalie Wood, Tony Curtis, and a very enthusiastic Jack Lemmon. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk Peter about Falk it. Peter Falk, too. Oh, and Peter Falk at his best. Um, and after that, our uh, next playwright is Yasmina Reza, Pod of Carnage. And let's just give a nice little shout-out and congratulations to Jamie Gannon, friend of the pod and dedicated listener. Yay, Jamie! Uh, got it right and yes. DM'd us on Instagram. We had a few other people guess and get it wrong. Oh. Right. And then we had a few people guess after Jamie. Um, but to get the shout out, you got to be first and right. So come correct. Jamie Gannon, uh, Jamie Gannon and I went to Penn State together. We okay. were the only two men that made it all the way through the acting program there. So hey. it's our senior year, it was me, Jamie, and 10 women. <laughs> yeah. We, we didn't get to do anything together. <laughs> we, right. We were paired up with, uh, with, with women for everything. But he's brilliant. He's a teacher. He's an amazing actor. Uh, and uh, thanks for, for, for following and being a fan, Jamie. Huge shout out and congratulations on getting it right. Uh, we're going to start doing that. On, the, on part one of every miniseries, I'm going to do a game where I'm going to not say who the playwright is, the next playwright, but I'll give you the name of the podcast miniseries, which are always so fun. Do, do y'all have questions, comments? Do you have uh, corrections? Do you have suggestions? Do you want to say something additional about whatever we're covering? We would love to hear from you. Email us. Send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Scott? Yes, a uh, huge shout out to the brilliant Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. We should also point out it's that uh, Ryan composed all of our stingers. We don't mention that very often. Yeah. I always forget. Uh, but the stingers are fucking amazing. And Ryan did it. And he's brilliant. And we love him. Uh, also, a big shout out to Pam Quinn for writing our uh, McNally-centric song, which you are about to hear. Uh, Pam might be one of the best people on the planet, and we love her. And Also, uh, she's yeah, about I, to be featured on America's Got Talent. Oh, can I we say it? Say I, we, it. We've had, we've, we can say it we, now. We've held this secret for like six weeks. Like, uh, she has announced out. everywhere. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. announced. Um, so probably in the next two to three weeks, yeah. So check, uh, uh, check her out on America's Got Talent. And uh, then finally... A huge thank you to the writer of our podcast, Pulitzer Prize winning huge. playwright, Annie Baker. Uh, Annie Baker huge probably is not aware of writing our podcast, but she does. And one day we're going to buy her a beer. We love Do you. Do you think she sleepwalks? Do you think she sleepwalks and writes it while she's <laughs> She sleep writes it? Probably. Probably. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, right? It's going to happen. I can't wait. That tracks. <laughs> but please go rate, subscribe, and review, or all three. We love y'all so much. We will see you next time for stuff. 
Bustov. Hooray. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we gotta go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice, there ain't any more. If you like our show, tell everyone but... If you think it stinks, keep your fucking mouth shut. We're glad you came, but we have to shout. Adios, au revoir, vida Shane, ta-ta-ta, goodbye. Get lost, get the fuck out. She runs, she hides, got a million names full of surprises this girl kills she thrills don't fall in love with her don't try she lies you will trust in her and end up dying for her needs. You'll bleed, don't fall in love with her. No, that's what my name means, Bailey, uh, Joshua so Bailey, Bailey means Jesus of the fields. Does it really? <laughs> Jesus savior of the fields. The fields. Yeah, savior of the fields. Right. Yeah. Savior of the fields. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I'm gonna save Christian joy. <laughs> That's right. It's terrible. You are a joy for all I of am. Mine means Scott. Mine means scotch. Scotch. Mine means drink. Scotch whiskey. Yeah. Are we recording yet? Yeah. We are yes. recording. Oh, great. Put this at the okay. end of the episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. This is great. We're uh, so funny. We're great. <laughs>